We're coming live to you from Palm Springs today for episode two of the Animal House podcast. Welcome to the Animal House podcast. I'm your host, Jay Nicole Smith. We are a movement of like-minded rebels who believe businesses win by building brands and success is defined by personal freedom. Join us if you dare as we go behind the scenes each week with marketing trendsetters and iconic brands who embody our Animal House philosophy. Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for clicking play and coming back to visit us in Animal House. We are poolside today in Palm Springs, California. Yes, loving it. I think there's a funny thing about sitting by a pool, and I don't know if this works for you if you've ever tried it, but for me, being near water, whether that's the sea or a pool or whatever, really gets my creative juices flowing. I love being in the sunshine, and it really helps stuff happen for me. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because today, in episode two, we are talking with Tara, and Tara is someone who is exceptionally good at helping you find your why, to find the reason that you do things, specifically when it comes to talking about big ideas. Now, sit next to me here on my little table is a book about uh, written by the founder of TED. And if you're familiar with TED Talks, you know that their whole mantra is about spreading big ideas. And I'm reading this book because I have a lot of speaking engagements coming up and I want them to be good. But Tara is someone who specializes in helping you find these big ideas. And also she does help you create presentations for doing TED Talks, which for those of you who are building a platform or hoping to become an expert in a certain area or are an expert and are hoping to be hired to speak about these topics, she and this book as well are great, great resources to kind of dig into what your big idea might be or what it is about you that people will connect with. So today we're talking about your why, your big ideas. We're talking about storytelling. We're talking about how to take all that stuff that's floating around in your head that you're struggling to get out, whether it's through copy or speaking or writing a book or whatever it is that you're hoping to do, being able to physically make sense of it and get it out of you so that you can share it and then share it in a compelling way. So I won't delay any further. There is a great exercise at workingwithdog.com slash podcast today. If you want to have a little bit more assistance with helping dig this why out on your own. But for now, we're going to head straight into our episode with Tara so we can learn a little bit more about how to do this. If you're like me, you have at one time or another really, really struggled to find the words to sum up everything you do, everything you love, everything you want to give to your clients and all the reasons that they should pick you. You know, we talk a lot about in branding about finding your why and communicating your why with people, but it sounds really simple and it's actually really complicated to do. So today I have with me someone who is an expert in storytelling, picking out just the very, very best best bits of your story and communicating them in a way that is compelling to the people around you. Today we have with us Tara. Welcome, Tara. Hi. And she's going to give you a little bit of a background about what she does. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about how you can improve the storytelling in your business as well. So welcome, Tara. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. 
So why don't you give us a little bit of a background? Tell us how, I know you've had a little bit of a, you know, kind of a fun journey into what you do now. So why don't you tell us your story? Sure. I actually, by training, am a graphic designer and a photographer. And that's what I went to school for and what I thought I would always do. And in a weird way, I still do that, but I do it with a lens of storytelling and helping people tell stories, whether it's for themselves or their brand or their company or an idea that they have. So I spent many years working in graphic design and IT, and then I started developing this love for TED, and I became a junkie, and I couldn't get enough TED Talks. I would watch them every day on my lunch break and eventually started becoming involved with TEDx events and realizing that I had a skill for helping speakers develop the content for their talk and also the slides. So I was combining my love for design and storytelling in a way that was, for me, something that like I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I just thought this is the work that I was called to do. I love that because one of the things that I talk a lot about in the brand building and marketing stuff is this, you know, imagining a Venn diagram and on the left is like all the stuff you love and all the great stuff that you're passionate about. And on the right is stuff that people want and are willing to pay for. And that, you know, the overlap between your passion, your zone of genius and what people want and are willing to pay for is like the best place in the world to be operating. So it sounds like you've totally found that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So you specialize in doing and helping TEDx presenters prepare talks, but the crux of that really is about taking what I imagine is probably tons and tons and tons of biographical information and information they want to educate and share and trying to just pull the, you know, the golden nuggets out. Tell us a little bit about that process. How does that happen? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think the thing that Ted is doing so well is they're almost taking like big ideas, big research, big information and wisdom and turning it into something that is short and entertaining. And it's almost like creating a movie trailer for research. Before, you know, you would have academics who were coming up with like doing research and coming up with this new knowledge, but they weren't able to communicate it to the world in a way that was compelling, let alone understandable or understandable, let alone compelling. And and then Ted came along and figured out that if you take a story and you wrap it around that information, it becomes not only easier to understand, but also more memorable and people can repeat it and they can share it in a way that they weren't able to before. So I think that all of the work I do, about 50% of the work I do is is for TEDx events. But the other 50% is people who are doing something that's in that TED style, where you take a story and you wrap it around uh, information or things that are more scientific or more data-based. And suddenly you are connecting with people in a way that they'll always remember, even if they aren't taking notes or, or trying to remember. And I think that's the key thing and why people need help from someone like me or just someone in in particular, it's hard to look at your own life and know what is super interesting or, or sticky about what you're doing, whether it's your idea or your research or your work or the service that you provide to the world. It's like you think it's like no big deal. And it's hard to be able to look at that with your own lens and determine how do I explain that to other people in a way that will you know, evoke a response from them emotionally and, and make them want to connect with me. Yeah, you made some really important points there. One that just makes me giggle, which is having done a master's degree and having to read thousands of academic papers. <laughs> they are not fun to read. And I can guarantee you, I remember hardly anything from any of them because they're so 
painful to endure. It's such a different world, the language of, you know, research. So that's a really interesting thing you've mentioned about TED Talks. I never really thought about that idea of making research palatable, which of course it is. The other thing I think is really interesting about what you said is this idea of connecting emotionally, because obviously when we talk about branding and marketing, that is the core of getting people's behavior to change is to impact them emotionally. And that also that element of being memorable, that if you want people to walk away and have a behavioral change or be able, like you said, to share that emotional connection is so, so important. So what do you have a formula for trying to create that or trying to help people dig that out of themselves? How do you decide what is the most compelling? I look at it and some people like to call it a process or a formula. For me, it's very different with each speaker. Everyone comes to me with a different different needs and different place in their life that they're at. Some people, the idea is crystal clear. They've been working on it their whole life. Like I had one gentleman who was trying to find a cure for celiac disease. And he knew right out of the gate what that idea was. There was never a question. Wow. And other people don't know what the idea is yet, but they know that, that they're circling around something and they need help you know, defining that. But in general, there are a few steps that are always followed. So for, the first thing is to just define the idea and the audience to be real crystal clear on those things. And that includes the why behind what you're doing, which you mentioned earlier. I think that is super important and a step that most people never really think about. If people don't know why you care and why you're doing what you're doing, they don't care either. And if they do know why you're doing it, even if it's a topic that they have no interest in whatsoever, like celiac disease or what have you, if they know why you care, they're suddenly going to care, even if you know they don't have a passion for it. And that's how human beings work. It's we, we want to connect with other people and we want to care about what they care about and help them. Uh, once those things are kind of clearly defined, then we go into like what I like to call this content dump or information mm-hmm. dump, where I basically say to people, like, give me the fire hose. Like, I want to know <laughs> everything, every past presentation you've done, everything you've written about it. And this is where my own like voracious appetite for reading comes into play because I love to just dive into all that stuff and start sorting out bits and pieces that I think are sticky or resonant. Your clients think- must totally love that as well because <laughs> who doesn't like to talk about themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, I do think that of everything that I do for people, like oftentimes the slides end up getting attention because it's like, oh, you're a designer and I can't do that. <laughs> but I think more than that, it's the someone taking all your content. Let's say that's hours and hours worth of, you know, words and speaking and, and what have you. And someone else saying, this is what is interesting. This is what is memorable. This is what 24 hours later after I read it, I was still thinking about because mm-hmm. you can't do that for yourself. No. You can't look at your own stuff and figure that part out. So I think that's, you know, the content gathering and, and speakers and clients often get frustrated because I won't let them move past that stage until there's enough content there. Like if I'm not feeling like we have enough, I'm like, okay, we can't, we can't move on to editing and structure and slides and stuff like that until all of the stuff is on the table because you can't, like you can't be adding that stuff in at the last minute. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, it's like shooting a movie without having a storyboard or a script or, you know, actors. Like you need all of that stuff so that you can make the most compelling movie. So that's basically the gist of it. The content gathering, then we do editing and structure, where, which is where I come in and do the heavy hitting. And then we move on to like, how do we engage their senses? So is that with slides? 
a lot of times it is, but sometimes it isn't. But how do we bring in those other parts of storytelling that bring the talk to life or bring the website to life or bring the presentation to life or what have you? I love what you said about the senses as well, because that's a big, another big part of what I'm really passionate about is that's such a core of our humanity, isn't it? And such a quick way to make that emotional connection is to try and bring in what we can feel and smell and taste. And that's really interesting. So would you have any tips for entrepreneurs, let's say, who are embarking upon a website or a website refresh where they have all this text and maybe it's a bit generic and sounds a lot like somebody else and they're really trying to just really nail their about page, for example, or maybe they're just trying to nail like their elevator pitch about what they do. Would you have any advice about how to really, really edit that content down? Obviously, working with a professional is a good start because no one can be objective like like you, but what would you say? I think one of my biggest tips to people is to be really intentional about who you get feedback from. Like, obviously, you're not doing this alone and you want to solicit feedback, but I think people think that, like, they just go out there and ask their friends and family, and they're often not the best advice givers in terms of what is sticky and resonant. And I, I think it's not that there aren't going to be people in your circle that, who might be, but one thing I often say is look for, if you know the Myers-Briggs personality types, look for an ENFJ, which is someone who definitely has a knack for putting their finger on what makes people do things, like how to motivate others. Uh, Oprah Winfrey is an ENFJ. There's lots of, I could go and I could probably talk to you for an hour about why those particular people are good. I'm an ENFJ. That's me. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. See, and that's why we do very similar things. I think I'm an ENFJ also, and it's like not to toot our own horns, but I think there are people who it's their gift in life to know how to make others fascinated and how to make them feel connected to other human beings. And so they're the ones that are going to probably give you the best advice on, of all of your content, what is the most resonant I've had people get advice from other, even other coaches and other professionals where they're told, don't share personal stuff or don't include this. And it's like, I can't even believe someone told you that. And they listen, they take things out, they put in more, you know, scientific data. Generic marketing language. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think just being intentional about who you ask and knowing that you don't like, yes, you want to solicit as much feedback as possible, but you don't need to take all that advice. You can know, like, know the source of the, con- of the advice and know whether or not it's right for you. And I think another thing I often say is if you're not a little bit scared about what you're putting out there and you're not feeling a little bit vulnerable about it, you're probably not sharing enough or you're probably not sharing anything interesting. People love interesting stuff. So when you're sharing things that are super personal or interesting and weird, that's what makes them read. That's what makes them want to connect with you. Like nobody wants to read about boring stuff that's generic and could apply to anyone. We want to know the the weird freaky stuff about the world (laughs) and we want to hear the honesty from other people. So, you know, part of my job is to push people to get to that place, but also to be sound and giving them advice about what's inappropriate. Like obviously you don't want to go too far (laughs) to the other end of the spectrum, but (laughs) oversharing. Yeah, exactly. So I think that ENFJs are really good at knowing what is interesting, but also what is appropriate. Interesting. Okay. I never really thought about it from the personality style, but that makes sense. And I think there's probably also, there's this element of creativity there, right? So being able, there's Mm -hmm. this element of being able to understand what you mean and say without you saying it, and then being able to take it and make it 
alive, real, tangible, which I think is a skill for a lot of people like you and myself who are designers, photographers, branders, copywriters, you know, that creation element of really being able to understand what someone can't quite say and help them find the words to say it. Right. Interesting what you said about the sharing personal elements. I think we've talked in sort of the courses that I've done and stuff, we've talked a lot about the fact that your why, you know, which is sort of, we talk about this a lot in terms of people want to know why you do, right? The famous Simon Sinek TED Talk. (laughs) Yeah. But we've talked a bit about the fact that that might actually be quite negative or quite painful or something that you actually keep quite hidden and covered up, that that might actually be the secret to connecting with people. So what you were saying about being vulnerable is that this isn't always going to be like bright and shiny, perfect, that letting people see the cracks, letting people see the real you and the real story can be really compelling. Is that is that right? Absolutely. hundred percent. And I think it's not always like for people think, oh, well, I have to get up there and tell a sad story or tell tell something that's going to make people cry. And it's like, no, it, it can be funny. It can be suspenseful. There's so many emotional ways of connecting with people. And it can also be very short. It could be this tiny little thing. An example I love to use is when Jennifer Lawrence tripped going up the stairs at the Oscars. (laughs) And it's like that little moment, like less than a few seconds where she fell in this big, beautiful gown connected us to her. Like we've all been there. We've all had a moment where this is you know, probably the pinnacle of her career. She's winning an Oscar and she falls and everyone sees it. And she gets up there and people give her a standing ovation. And it's like, that's the little thing. It could be just a few moments where you allow yourself to be vulnerable or a few words or one sentence on your website. But in that moment, people are like, wow, I like this person and I want to know more. I want to connect with them. Yeah, it's a really scary thing to do. What would, what advice would you give for people for the line between like too depressing or too much oversharing? Is there any sort of tips you can give about how much is too much? I think that's where it really helps to have counsel and advice from someone else, unless you're really great at, like I, I do get people who have a great sense of what is interesting. They're the people who at a party are never like, you know, telling a story that's boring everybody, or they're never going on and on and on about something that nobody cares about. So some people have (laughs) a natural gift for that. And that's great. But if you don't, and I think being honest with yourself about whether or not you do, like I, I'm an extrovert. So I completely talk all day, every day. (laughs) And I, I don't always know what's interesting. So I, for my own stuff, I kind of have to look to other people to give me signs about that. But I do think, you know, there's a, a great book about this called Made to Stick by the Heath brothers, Chip and Dan Heath. It's like my Bible for working with people in terms of editing. And if you read that, there's lots of great information about what people, what sticks with them. The example they use that I love is about urban legends. Oh, yeah. So an urban legend is something that you you hear an urban legend once and you can not only remember it, but you can repeat it. And that's what makes it an urban legend because it's spreads like wildfire. But you can actually learn and apply those same techniques to storytelling and the stories you tell about yourself or your business. Like for instance, there was an urban legend when I was a little girl about people putting razor blades into apples at Halloween time or putting razor blades into Butterfingers. Oh yeah, I heard that too. And it, yeah, so everyone did, right? <laughs> and we all like, I remember in the little town I grew up in, we all took our candy to the hospital to get x-rayed. Like that was actually something they did because of that urban legend. Oh my gosh. And 
And there was never, like, there's no news cases of that actually happening, but people couldn't get out of their heads the idea of someone putting a razor blade inside of children's candy. So it spread like wildfire, even though there was nothing factual behind it. Well, it's that, you know, weird concept of like candy and razor blades and children and trick or treat. All of those things made a really sticky story. So looking at, you know, if you're looking for a story, like let's say you have five stories to choose from or, you know, five things that you could talk about, like which one has some of those sticky elements to it? And maybe that's the one you should use because it's the one people will remember. So I'd love to talk specifically for a moment about, because we know she won't mind and she's wonderful and talented and amazing. We both worked with incredible photographer and writer named uh, Robin Arudi. I'm hoping I'm saying her last name right because I've never actually yeah. asked her. <laughs> but um, so when I met Robin, she was really um, struggling to find her voice and her brand. She knew her why quite clearly, but was trying to make some big decisions in her business and was really struggling to find, to, to edit to narrow down the most salient points, to figure out what exactly her brand was and exactly her why was. And she found you. And I'll put the link to her website here. I, you know, people get sick of me using her as an example because I think it's so spectacular what you guys have created together to make a compelling website for a photographer and a writer that you just can't get enough of. Do you want to talk at all about that process or like how you helped Robin? She is I think also an extrovert and also writes and writes and writes and, you know, has this incredible talent and a ton of goals and a huge network of people. So I think it was probably very difficult for her to like cut it back or like decide what was the most powerful. How did you guys approach that? And, or what was your process? Yeah, I think Robin is like a perfect example of uh, some things that we were talking about earlier. And first of all, she's like a dream client because her content is amazing and, and she's had several things go viral, like people want more from her. And so that's a great problem to have. But her website wasn't doing her any favors in terms of conveying her personality, her why, and all of these great things that she was doing in the world of rescue and, and dog photography. So we actually, the connection we had was magical in so many ways that I couldn't even possibly distill it down to a, a simple story. But Suffice it to say that like she and I were kind of meant to find each other in the way that we did and at the time that we did uh, where she was working on this new website. And she was working in the Squarespace platform, which I happen to know and love really well. So I'm like, okay, well, just give me an account and let me in under the hood and let me try some things. And so it kind of started very organically like that. It wasn't like I didn't send her a big proposal and, you know, it was just like, let's just see what we can do. And over time, I got to know her. We would talk to each other on the phone and and I would try some things and get some things wrong. And then, and then I'd talk to her more about what it is she did and what she wanted to do more of. And what I realized was that the photography was one aspect of it, but she also had this like really deep affinity and curiosity about human beings. And people were signing up for pocket shots, which is uh, these short photo sessions that people come and do with their dogs. They were signing up with them because they wanted to hang out with her. Like, yes, they wanted the photo, but they also felt connected to her. Like she saw them and listened to them in a way that they felt like seen and listened to in a way they hadn't before. So it was like, holy crap, how do we convey that kind of thing on a website? Like, how do you explain that to people? And I think that was really the challenge and the, the thing that we had to figure that out. Like, how do we 
show this aspect of her. Like she has a background in psychology. She's deeply knowledgeable about human beings, but also about that connection with dogs and with animals that everyone who, who reads her stories is like, wow, I get it. Like this is, these are my people. So it took a while and it took like trying things and getting them right and getting them wrong. But over time, I think it was showcasing that aspect of her work and her personality, but also realizing that like these are, there are certain things that, that make money and that pay the bills. And you also have to think about those things. And if people are coming to your website, what is it you want them to do? What's the number one thing? And then what's the number two thing and the number three thing? And those things have to be about you know, your business at the end of the day, because obviously we all need to eat and have electricity and drive a car and all that stuff. So (laughs) I felt so good about the work we did together. And I know that Robin and I will continue to work together in the future. It's like, it was too magical for it to not continue. But yeah, I think that what she needed was what she was able to do for other people. Like she can look at a hundred pictures and know which one is the money shot, but she wasn't able to look at her own work and and what she did and know what was so special about it. So I think just having someone echo that back to her and and say, here's what I see about what you're doing. That was the gift really. And I think that was magical. I love that. And obviously, like I said, I'll put the link in here. The the final result speaks for itself. You don't have to know anything about Robin to be, you know, completely and utterly sucked in to her world and the animals that she writes about and the color and the words. It's just beautifully done. So Knowing that um, this is one of the big problems that we face as entrepreneurs is, you know, obviously getting that reflection back to us in a way that's objective and also knowing who our people are and how we're going to connect with them, knowing what stories will connect with them. And like you said, drawing that back to how we make a living. So there's this whole concept of content marketing, right, where you're putting out content with the hopes that eventually someone's going to buy from you. Do you have any advice about how to choose stories that both are compelling to your audience and also can eventually lead them back to a conversion or to a sale in a way that's not icky, you know, in a way that's really um, authentic? Right. Well, I think for me, this has been something I've struggled with with my own business and have only recently figured out, like it wasn't until a few years ago that I decided to specialize in presentations and storytelling And I think, you know, I used to think that like the wider the net you casted, the more work would come in. And I always had a lot of work. I always had a lot of recommendations from other people and word of mouth stuff. And, but it wasn't work that I loved to do. And what I realized was that in order to attract more of the kinds of clients and work that I wanted, I needed to speak specifically to them and not necessarily to everybody. And that's why the first part of my process in working with anybody is knowing who their audience is. And everyone will say, you know, when you first ask them, oh, well, it's, you know, all of these people. And everyone. Like, okay, <laughs> it's everyone. And come on, like, that's not, that's not real. Like, it's, we all think we're speaking to everyone, but we're really looking for a specific tribe of people and a kind of client who makes our work turn into something other than work, something that makes us happy and brings us joy. It doesn't feel like work because it's, it just propels us. So I think that's what I would say to people that, you know, be more specific about the kinds of work that you want to do and the kind of people you want to work with. And just like you would create a vision board for things you want in your life, like create a vision board, whether it's mental or, or an actual physical one, about the kinds of clients that you want to do more work with. Maybe you've had one or two clients in the past that are like dream clients and you want more people like that. Well, 
speak to them. Keep those people in mind when you're writing a blog post or when you're redoing your website or if you're developing a talk or presentation. Speak to those one or two people that were dream clients for you and figure out how to appeal to them because you want more of those people in your tribe. I love that. That is a huge thing that I preach as well as this idea of going as specific, as niche as you possibly can. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably experienced this as well. It's very scary. It's scary to feel yeah. like you're speaking to one person in a hundred and that you're alienating all those other people. I just went through this again with my business and my brand. How did you get past that when you decided to just focus on presentations and storytelling? I'm sure you must have had moments right. of like, no, I should be bigger. I should not alienate people. Like, what if I want to write a book or do a speaking thing? I'm only going to, you know, how did you push through right. that fear? I had an interesting life situation that kind of forced me to do that. Like I ended up having, I had a baby and then I had another baby. And it was like, I have this really finite amount of time where I can do work and I can help clients and do the work that I do. So if I only have this many hours, I need to be more specific about what I want to do. So I kind of, it kind of forced my hand a little bit because I too was scared about that. And it was like not a decision I would have made willy-nilly and on my own. But because of that, I actually ended up with more work. Like I say no now more than I ever did. And it's weird how that works. Like I don't think if I have had gone through that, that I would feel as confident telling clients and other people that they should do it too. But it, it actually was the best thing that I could have done for my career was to specialize and to be really specific. I think there are two parts of that. One is that people know that they're getting an expert in what you do because they know that's all you do and, you're not, and your attention isn't split. But it also allows you, like all of the things that you learn and you look at and you read are about your specific thing. So there are very few people in the world who are going to be as good at it as you are. So it gives you this confidence that as a presentation designer, that's such a weird niche job. In fact, most people don't even know what the heck I do. I know my <laughs> my family and, and friends are like, I have no idea what you do for a living. <laughs> and it, it's so specific that I, there literally aren't that many people in the world that can say that they do what I do and do it as well. And I feel really good about that. It gives me a confidence in my work that I didn't have before when I was doing everything under the sun. And do you find as well that the people that you work with end up being people you just love being with and being around and communicating with? Does that sort of bring, Uh, attract your clients to you? It does. It does. And I think, you know, every now and then I'll get, I'll work with someone who it just doesn't quite work out, but it's few and far between. And I quickly know that this isn't the right fit. And I usually help them find someone else. And the 90% of other people that, that are amazing, it's like, it's almost like meeting someone that you used to know in a former life. Like everything just clicks. You have some kind of value that's a shared core value. For me, my core values are like design. So anyone who loves and appreciates great design, we're going to click instantly. I also am very curious and I read the back of cereal boxes and I want to, I read all day, every day about everything. So anyone who has that similar curiosity about life, I'm going to connect with them. And then I'm also very open and I love people who, who are like the TMI crowd where they <laughs> overshare. So if you're like that, we're going to connect. So all of my clients, they may have only one of those three things, but every single one of them, I have a shared core value with, and it makes working with them so easy and so delightful. And yes, we may have challenges and we may, you know, it is <laughs> work after to, all. <laughs> yeah, it is work. 
but it doesn't feel as much like work because I feel like we connect on a level that's deeper than I need you to do this for me. Mm. Yeah, you get out of servant mode and into peer mode. Yeah. So just because I know people are curious, since we've mentioned it several times, is there anything you can tell us for those of our audience who'd be interested in building their authority in their subject and potentially getting on the TED circuit one day? Are there any tips that you can get to prepare them, you know, before they're ready to work with someone like you? What can they do to be desirable to the TED world, so to speak? Yeah, sure. Well, I think in the TEDx community, there's lots of opportunities. And I would look within your state at what TEDx events are going on. A lot of places are now several years into building events. So they kind of know what they're doing and they have a speaker selection process. And all of those work a little bit differently, but most of them involve some kind of pitch for your idea. I've seen TEDx events where you have to do a one-minute video or a two-minute video, or you have to write a one-page abstract. And I've been on speaker selection committees, and I know that the best ideas are actual ideas. So they don't just want someone with an inspiring backstory. They want to know that you have an idea that is going to change the way people think about the world. And I think getting really crystal clear on what that idea is and also knowing that they will also want to know the emotional backstory that plays into that idea. Like you obviously, your life's work has led to that idea or that moment. So you need to share a little bit about that too. But I think a good mix of analytical and emotional content that that gives that one to two minute version of an idea and think to yourself, you know, if someone would read this abstract or would look at this two-minute video, would they remember it the next day? And if they wouldn't, then it's not good enough and you need to push yourself. Maybe find some help in looking at all of your content and, and editing it in a different way or structuring it in a different way. Most of the speakers that I see don't get selected is because there's not really an idea there. It's just like, oh, that's an inspirational talk and you have a really interesting life story, but what is the idea? And what about from like building a platform kind of standpoint? Do you need to have a certain number of Twitter followers or some email subscribe. I mean, is there any sort of bar that a person needs to be at before they become more appealing or is kind of anyone has a shot? I think it's anyone has a shot. And I think certainly those things help. I don't think that they're going to hurt you at all, but I think that's what's kind of great about not just TED, but the TEDx community specifically is that it's very grassroots and Sure, there might be some events where things get political, but I think for the most part, you know, the organizers want the best and most interesting talks, and they want talks that are going to end up making it on TED.com. I think that's everybody's, you know, holy grail is being promoted to the actual TED website. And I think, you know, whether you have 10,000 Twitter followers or 100, the more interesting and memorable you are, it doesn't really matter. That I mean, it, you could be the next person to blow up on on social media just because your idea is so amazing. So I guess all of that to say that you don't you may not need the platform ahead of time, but I think you need an idea that's going to kind of rock the world a little bit and change the way that people are thinking about something. And that's trumps the platform, you know, all day, every day. Well that's good news for the underdog, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Okay, well, we're just about out of time, Tara, but I'd love it if you could tell people where they can find you online. Sure. Well, I have a website. Um, I haven't updated it in forever, but it's (laughs) tarasolman.com, T-A-R-A-S-O-L-L-M-A-N. 
And I'm also on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. So yeah, I'm I'm out there. And definitely if you're listening to this and you want to reach out, please do. I love when people do that. And sometimes we can just have, you know, a short phone call where we chat about something and there's, you know, no pressure about working together, but maybe there's something that we can connect about that would be good for both of us. So please reach out if you have a feeling like you want to do that. Brilliant. And I know a lot of people listening to this will be struggling with their own story with getting that clarity. So I think you might be getting some phone calls. (laughs) Good. (laughs) All right. Thank thank you you. so much for your time, Tara. All right. Bye. Oh, I could just talk about this stuff all day long. I find it so interesting and so fascinating. And I guess that's why I do what I do as a consultant and someone who works on this topic all the time is juicy, juicy, juicy idea of what is my why and what big idea do I have to share with the world. I hope you found some great insights from Tara. If you want to check out the show notes from this episode, this is episode two, and you can find it at workingwithdog.com slash podcast. And there you'll see episode two with Tara Solman. Just click on there. You'll see the show notes. And there's also, as I mentioned previously, a great download in there for working through some of this stuff on your own. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that I am giving away free consultations. I'm really, really interested in this topic of why. And I know that it's such a great, massive challenge for so many entrepreneurs out there. And so I'm doing a little research. And in the process of doing that, I'm giving away free consultations that are worth $1,000 to people who get in touch and tell me what your struggle is, what you want, where you're running into trouble if you're trying to leave your corporate job or if you have a business and it's just not working the way you had hoped. Um, get in touch. And you do that at workingwithdog.com slash pimpmywhy. All one word, pimpmywhy, P-I-M-P-M-Y-W-H-Y. And there you can fill out a form. You can tell me about yourself and your business, your struggle or your ideas and basically apply to get this free consultation. Otherwise, do check out Working With Dog. There's tons of resources all over the place on on that website to help you really pull out your genius, to help you start to build the foundations of a brand that is based on what is really unique and special about you. So Next week, we have another fantastic interview with Carol, who's the president of uh, Humane Society Silicon Valley. And she's going to walk us through a really incredible marketing project that they did over there that you might have seen floating around the internet because it went crazy viral. So be sure to join us next week for episode three with Carol. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day and really take a time, take a moment today to think about what it is that you want and where it is that you're headed. We get so busy. It's such an easy thing not to do. But my challenge to you today is to just take a moment and to process what you've learned from Tara and and do a little bit of brainstorming for yourself. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.